Let's pray. Heavenly Father, take us to the cross that we might see the one who gave himself, that we might experience his extravagant love, that our hearts and our lives may be forever transformed. We ask in his name. Amen. The title of the message is Holy Waste. I could have also entitled it Extravagant Love, but I think Holy Waste is a little more shock value. So you go out to the critters and you find a perfect male from either the cattle or the oxen, the goats or the sheep. You take it to the temple and they slaughter it and the whole thing is consumed in fire. What a waste. Incidentally, every day in the temple there was a morning and an evening sacrifice, double duty on the Sabbath, and those were also burnt offerings. There was no residual, there was no leftovers. Then we go to our gospel story and we see Jesus being anointed by Mary with a very expensive perfume and cost a whole year's wage. It was perhaps the most valuable thing that this family owned, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It was perhaps their fail-safe, their insurance policy if things became lean or times went bad. And she pours it all on Jesus' feet. What a waste. Most Christians, they don't identify with Judas' spirit. They're not thieves. They're not greedy. But most Christians identify with Judas' words. This could have been sold and the money given to the poor. That's, that's useful. That's reasonable. That's sensible. Why this waste? I've had major revolt in many Bible classes when I have presented this text. That's not good stewardship, Pastor. How could she do that? And it became even more furious, their objections, when I said they should be like Mary. You gotta be kidding! Give something that is most precious, most expensive, just to give it? Jesus tells Judas to cool it. Uh, incidentally, in the Gospel of Mark, it's not just Judas, it's all the disciples who object at this waste. And Jesus says something that is so amazing. She is preparing me for the day of my burial. You know, you read the Gospels, and especially the Gospel of Mark, and the disciples are a bunch of dunderheads. They just don't get anything. 
Even when Jesus tells them three times he's going to go to Jerusalem, he's going to suffer and die, and on the third day be raised, they don't get it. And in the Gospel of Mark, it says they didn't know what he was talking about. Somehow Mary did. Now, I suppose we could go back to chapter 11, where Jesus raising Lazarus from a four-day slumber in the tomb precipitates his death. You remember that. If we let this guy go on like this, raising the dead, everybody will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take our temple and our nation. Can't have that. And they plotted his death. Maybe Mary knew about that. Perhaps it is in the Gospel of Luke at the end of chapter 10 where Martha is busy preparing a meal and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha says, Lord, tell her to help. And Jesus says, Martha, you're worried and anxious about many things. Mary has chosen the one necessary thing. Maybe listening to Jesus, he gave her some hints. Perhaps it's John chapter 8 where church tradition identifies Mary with the woman caught in adultery. And the Jews were ready to execute her for her crime. And Jesus says, okay, guys, whoever is without sin, throw the first stone and scamper away. And Jesus looks at her and says, is there no one to condemn you? No one, Lord. Neither do I condemn you. Go and don't continue in a life of sin. Maybe she put things together. It could be that she remembered Isaiah 53, that all we like sheep have gone astray, everybody following their own nose, justifying themselves, focusing on themselves. But God has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. Maybe she remembered John the Baptist's words, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And she knew he was talking about the Passover lamb. And you noticed in the text it makes reference to the Passover. And the Jews believed that the death of the Passover lamb when they partook of that meal, they were partaking of the Lamb's death in their place. Whatever it was, Mary figured it out. Not all the details, but she knew the broad strokes. Jesus is going to die for me. What does this mean for us? Psychologists tell us that young children that are deprived of love from their parents, it damages them and destroys their future life. But we are also learning that in the sensible, the reasonable church holding people back 
from extravagant gestures of love is just as damaging. Jesus is the most holy waste of all. He sacrificed himself for me. He took the judgment for all of my self-justification, ego, self-focused pride. He wasted himself, but for me. Nothing great happens in our relationships with our children, our parents, our spouses. Nothing great happens in the church. Nothing great happens in the world without sacrifice, without offering yourself up for the other person, without sacrificing your wants and your druthers and your needs for their needs. Nothing great will ever happen in Redeemer Lutheran Church unless we experience the extravagant love that Mary experienced and consequently it overflows from us into the lives of others and they encounter extravagant love through us. A sermon I was listening to yesterday, the preacher said, you don't learn about God's love when somebody just tells you. You have to experience it. That's the only way it becomes real. The Lord's meal, getting into the word, being in a pit of despair and depression and being told by Jesus, no matter what, I'm here. I'm with you. I'm for you. I care. Let my love shield and enwrap you. Nothing great ever happens in politics without sacrifice. As long as politicians in this country are me first and my wants first, nothing great will ever happen in this country. I preached this sermon to a group of confirmation students, a class of six, among which was my youngest daughter. And I mentioned to them, if you want to have a great life, experience Jesus' extravagant love every day and let it course through your body, your mind, your heart until it infects and Ill infiltrates every part of your being and overflows into the lives of others. Be a living sacrifice offering yourself up in love for others. I probably shouldn't tell this story, but my mom is in heaven, so how can she object? 
I was home from the university for a worship service, and the offering plate came around, and I opened my billfold, and I had a $20 bill, and I put it in the offering plate. My mom saw that, called the ushers back, and said, he put in too much. <laughs> Nothing great has ever happened in my life until I've stood at the foot of the cross and experienced Christ's extravagant love and his call for me to love others as he has loved me. Nothing great will ever happen in anybody's life without the experience of Christ's extravagant love infecting, influencing, infilling the world through us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may the holy waste that Jesus accomplished going to the cross for us, may his extravagant love touch transform, warm, enliven our hearts that we might experience and be a living fire. We ask in his name, amen.